0: Well, good morning, everybody. If I haven't got to meet you yet, my name is Matt Cordova. I have the privilege and the honor of getting to lead the youth here. Um, Many of them are much taller than me, which is weird. You know what I mean? Like if you have a kid, you drop them off. I look like one of the youth students when you go back there. So I promise there's adult supervision on Sunday mornings. there's two things that we want to accomplish. We, we tell our youth kids this every week, every time we get together, whether it's here, Wednesday nights, the women's events, all things like that. There's two things we want to do. One, first and foremost, we want to grow with Jesus, right? We want to know him more. How many of you understand God wants you to know him more? God wants you to continually pursue him. He doesn't want you to just stop. He wants you to to pursue every aspect of who he is. So we want to grow deeper with Jesus. We want to grow closer with Jesus. One of my favorite uh, promises is in the book of James where it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Like the Bible promises us that if we were to draw near to God. God would draw near to us. Listen, if both of us are walking towards the middle at the same time, we're going to get there faster. We're going to get to each other faster. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. Draw near to him. And we want to know him more. The other thing that we want to do is we want to grow together. Right? How many of you understand like we together are the church as a body. We are called to do this together, to spread the gospel together. Hebrews chapter 10 actually tells us that we don't actually go to church for us. Like our main motivator for going to church isn't for us, but to encourage each other on in the faith. It's to spur each other on into good work. So when we show up, we show up to love on our neighbor. But also to encourage them. Hey man, life is hard. Listen, God is with you and you can do this. Not only is God with you, but I'm with you. And I'm going to walk beside you as we do this thing together so people can see who God is. So those are the two things we want to do. If this is your first time here, we go verse by verse through the Bible. We've been going through the book of Luke. The reason that I love this is if we want to look like Jesus, we need to look at Jesus. How many of you understand that you imitate what you're looking at, right? You imitate what you're looking at. If we have our eyes on Jesus, we're going to imitate Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we do these things. We actually walk out the things that he's called us to do. Now, for this practice, I, I love it, especially for today. Because we're going to see a side of Jesus we may not have seen yet. Right? It's about to get exciting. Tables are about to fly. It's about to get real. So if you got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 19 verse 45. Um, if you don't, uh, you, I would encourage you to download our app and to use the notes in our app today. They're going to uh, pop up on the screen. All the Bible verses will be just in the app. So if you want to see the scriptures that we're going to be referencing, make sure you're using our app. You can get it in your app store. It works great on Apple devices. Not quite sure on Android. Just kidding. I'm I'm pro Apple. Um, but just want to remind you, note takers are world changers. So some background information. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in Luke. We are in what is known as Holy Week. What that means is this is very literally the last week of Jesus's life. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Clayton talked about what happened on Sunday. On Sunday, Jesus, uh, he enters into Jerusalem on a donkey. We know this and celebrate this as Palm Sunday, right? The Bible calls it his triumphant entry. But the other thing that we talked about was that Jesus looks over Israel and he says that he weeps. And the reason that he weeps is because they've missed it. The nation that God has chosen has missed the the point, missed the the fact that the one that they've been waiting for is right before their eyes. So today, we're going to look at what happens on Monday. See, on Sunday, Jesus enters as a king. But on Monday, he exercises the authority of a king. He exercises the authority of a king. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to invite my friend and one of our youth leaders, Brittany Wedigie, to lead us in the reading of God's word. Hi, everyone. I'm Brittany Wedigie. I am married to Connor Wedigie, and we have a son named Tavin who is about to be two years old. We are members of the Luera City Group, and we are the high school youth leaders. Let's read. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said. You may be seated. Thank you, Brittany. Let's pray. So dearly father, God, I pray that you would challenge us this morning, mold us this morning and meet us this morning. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, anybody ever buy the knockoff version of something? Right. Okay. We've got some people that are like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, here's what I mean. Like you see the original product, it's name brand. You look at the price tag. You're like, "Mm -mm, "Nope, not going that route. I'm going to go to, if you bought off Amazon, anybody buy off Amazon? Oh, there's more hands. There's a good chance you bought the knockoff version of something that you wanted to get, right? Uh, I remember one time when I was at my church, when I started in in ministry, I was a youth pastor in a small town called Panhandle, and we started trying to implement video stuff in our service, using it like video announcements. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest. I can't do half the stuff of what our guys do here at the city. The things that they do are amazing. They are so gifted at this. I was, I, I don't even know how to navigate youtube those guys are kings man they know how to make stuff work but when i started at ministry i started doing this video stuff at the church and i started looking at cameras and i saw this thing called a gopro anybody ever heard of a gopro they're awesome anybody's kids ever asked for a gopro yeah, okay. I see you hands. Uh, they were awesome, right? Like I was like, I, I, I get this idea. My wife knows if I see something I like, it's like I say fixated on it. I am stuck on that thing, and she doesn't know it. But I start developing a presentation inside of my mind. I, I see this GoPro. I'm like, listen, I, babe, this would be so good. You know, I'm doing video stuff at the church. I tried to use the church. The truth is, I actually wanted the GoPro. Like you know what I mean? But I was like, babe, this would be so good. You know how many cool videos. I could strap this to my forehead. They could throw me in a dunk to like, it would be awesome. We could use this GoPro for so many things. See, here's the problem. We are hardcore budgeters. Like we, but we have a budget line for everything. And we know like we do, we put every dollar, every dollar has a job, that kind of thing. So we have hardcore budgeters. So at the end of my presentation, which included Excel spreadsheets, pie charts, and a pro presenter, you mean slideshow, my wife looks at me and she says the word that no man likes to hear. No. <laughs> I said, no. It's like, what? Why? Like, after the presentation, te- I showed you the trajectory of spending. Like, I showed you all the things. Why? She goes, well, what budget is that coming out of? I was like, you... <sighs> so I do what any other person does. I gave up. That's not true. I, I got on Amazon. I started researching like a knockoff version. I found this knockoff version. I did research. I went to their website, which you know, their website's going to make their product look amazing. So I used their own stuff to, to try to sway my wife. I was like, babe, and it's $100 cheaper. And she gave in. So I was like, yes, I bought this knockoff version of this GoPro. So, it, but after having it for some time, I realized it was just okay. You know what I mean? Like when I looked at the website, when I looked at it from off from a distance, it looked great. You know what I mean? It was supposed to do all the things a GoPro did, have the same battery life as a GoPro, shoot in the same quality as a GoPro. But after I had it up close, after I used it, it just wasn't what it seemed to be. It just wasn't what it seemed to be. See, I think we're going to see something similar into the the story Today, see, you saw in the text or you heard in the text that Jesus clears out the temple, right? Jesus flips over tables. <laughs> I've heard many people like, yeah, man, Jesus got mad, too. He, he flipped over tables. Listen, that's out of context. OK, <laughs> if it comes down to it, you remember Jesus said when it comes to us to turn the cheek. But when it came to his father's house, he turned the tables. When he came to his father's house, he turned the tables. But this is the second time he does it. The first time it happens in John chapter two. But what I want to do is I want to look at the, at the gospel of Mark for a little bit, because that's not the only thing that happens on Monday In the gospel of Mark. Mark's going to share another encounter. And I love the way that Mark writes. The way that Mark writes is he usually tells a story inside of a story to get a point across. For example, uh, there's a time in Jesus's ministry where this guy named Jarius comes up to Jesus. He's got a 12 year old daughter who's sick. Right? That's the opening story. He comes to Jesus. He's like, Hey, my daughter's sick. We know she's dying, right? By reading the story. And Jesus like, yeah, I'm going to heal her. Well, on his way there, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, see the the connection 12 and 12, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and invested, like used all of her resources, trying to find the problem, uh, can't find the solution. She's like, Hey, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. We know that she walks up to him or crawls through this crowd, touches his robe. She gets healed, and then Jesus gets to Jairus' daughter. She gets healed, right? It, It reveals God as a healer. Two stories moving in the same direction to reveal a certain point. So according to Mark's gospel, going back to Sunday, this is how it ends. Sunday evening ends like this for Jesus. So he comes into the town as a king. He weeps over Israel. And then the Bible says that he goes into the temple, looks around, and then he goes and stays the night at Bethany. Stays the night at Bethany. That is Sunday night. This is what it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. The next morning, so Monday morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed the fig tree in full leaf a little ways off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves. Hold on to the statement because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to this tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. So, okay, sticking with Mark's writing literary style, this is our initial story, and Jesus is heading back to the temple, right? He was there the night before, saw what was going on, he's heading back to the temple, and Jesus wants breakfast. Jesus is hungry. So in his hunger, what he sees is a fig tree off in the distance. Now, I just want to ask, like when I read figs in the Bible, does anybody else think of fig Newtons? Like every time I think fig Newtons are growing on this tree ever since I was a kid. So just if you're thinking about fig Newtons, you're either hungry or that's just how you grew up. All right. So Jesus, he he goes up to this tree. He's hungry and this. This fig tree is in full leaf. It has the appearance of having fruit. It has the appearance of being able to meet this need that Jesus has. So from far away, this tree looks great. But up close, when Jesus gets up close, there was actually nothing on the tree. From far away, it looks like it can meet the need. But when he finally gets there, it has no fruit. So Jesus curses The tree. Now let's not confuse this with cussing the tree out, okay? Jesus did not swear at the tree. This does not give you permission to use cuss words, okay? He curses this tree and he says, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now, if you're reading this, you might be like, Jesus, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? Like, even your word, even Mark recognizes that it wasn't the time for fruit for this type of tree. So why, Jesus, would you curse this tree? Were you just mad? Were you having a bad day? Did you not sleep good? Were you laying on a rock? Like, what's going on? Well, I learned that at this time, in a fig tree's growth, it would have buds that were edible. It would have buds that were edible. So uh, when Jesus gets this tree, there's no buds. In fact, if it had buds, it actually meant that tree was going to produce an abundance of fruit as it continued to mature. If it didn't have buds, it meant that that tree wasn't going to produce any fruit at all. It meant that the tree wasn't going to produce any fruit later. So because this tree wasn't budding, Jesus cursed it because he knew later on it would produce no fruit. See, here's what's interesting is the fig tree is actually a reference to the nation of Israel. The fig tree is a reference to the nation of Israel. So... Jesus now goes into the temple, and this is where we pick up in Luke, verse 45. It says, Jesus entered the temple, and he began to drive out people selling animals for for sacrifices, Mark includes, and there were money changers. And he said this to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves." right? So remember, Jesus was there the day before. Right? Sunday evening, he goes to the temple. He sees what's going on. What did he see? He saw what was supposed to be a place of worship operating as a place of profit. You see that? He drives out the money changers. He drives out the people selling sacrifices. And and in all actuality, It actually wasn't bad for them to be set up. There were things in place for those things to be set up. Now, these tables that he flips over, they're in what's called the court of the Gentiles. It's the outer part of the temple. This is where the Gentiles could meet and worship God. A Gentile is anybody that is not Jewish. Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Oh, we can raise. Everybody's hand should be up. (laughs) Unless you're Jewish, then you have a, yeah, you're good. All right, so... (laughs) In the court of Gentiles. So in this place where the Gentiles could worship, they would have to buy their sacrifices there. In this temple, they would have money changers. Now, there were two forms of coin that were going around at this time. There was the Roman coin, obviously, as the uh, ruling nation. But then you had the Jewish shekel. Well, if they were going to buy um, a sacrifice or if they were going to give to the temple, they had to use the Jewish shekel. So they would have money changers in there to help like, you know, it'd be like going to a foreign country today and exchanging for that country's form of currency. Right. Here's the thing, though. There would be a fee for doing this currency exchange. And then much like tax collectors would do, they would increase. They would add an added tax. So these money changers weren't doing honest trades. They were making money off the fact that people didn't have Jewish shekels. Then. You have people selling appropriate sacrifices for worship. Now, this is like if you you were encouraged in that time period, like if you lived a far way off and you were coming to the temple, you weren't supposed to bring your sacrifice. Right. You were to buy your sacrifice. So if you were living a long way off and you you kind of migrated to the temple to to worship the Lord, what they would do is they would actually upsell. The animal sack. So they would sell it for more than they were supposed to. Or if you did bring your sacrifice, what they would do is they would convince you that yours had a blemish. Let's say you brought a lamb. They would be like, man, your lamb's got a limp. You can't sacrifice that to God. Your lamb blinked three times too many times. Man, you got to get rid of that thing. You should buy mine. Look at him. He's just staring at you. He's good. You know what I mean? They would upsell. They would convince them here. Here's the question I want to ask. What's the issue? What's the issue? They were taking advantage of people's desire to worship God. They were. That's why Jesus turns the tables. He takes our worship very seriously. Man, I wish I would have understood that as a teenager. You know what I mean? I'll be real. The only reason I started going to church is they were pretty girls. (laughs) Just be honest. So, I didn't pay attention in worship, but now that I know God's heart, now I know how much He desired, now I know how much it means to Him, I wish I would have paid more attention to that back in the day. You know I mean? Here, He's taking, these people are taking advantage of God's, uh, of people's desire to worship God. You know what's an interesting thought to me? What has Jesus warned us about throughout the book of Luke? Or what has Luke told us about? Hasn't it been money? Like how, how frequently has money been the topic of our our Sunday morning conversations going verse by verse through the Bible? You can't serve both God and money. What's interesting about that is he never compared our allegiance to anything else. He never said you can't serve both God and power, God and relationships, God and marriage. No, no, no. The biggest thing that would fight for God's throne in our life that Jesus warns us about would be the dollar bill. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for the rich man, for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And here in this circumstance, what's the biggest temptation in the temple? Money. Money. So what does Jesus do? He turns the table and he quotes passages from two different prophetic books, the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah. He says, my temple will be a house of prayer. This is a reference to Isaiah and then he says this, but you've turned it into a den of thieves, which is from the book of Jeremiah. Now, here's what's interesting about that. When Jeremiah said this later, Babylon would destroy the temple. Jesus says this. And in 70, AD, 70, AD, Rome would destroy the temple. It was a repeat in history. But I want us to take a step back for a second. OK, we've, we've talked about two encounters, both of them moving in the same direction. First, we have a fig tree. That seems like it has fruit, but when we get up close, it doesn't. And then we have a temple that seems like a house of prayer, that seems like a house of worship, but when you get inside, it wasn't. You remember what Jesus did to the fig tree? He cursed it. Do you remember what the fig tree represented? Israel. So what's going on? What are both of these stories pointing to? The New American Commentary says this, that Jesus' statement in the first part of the verse, referencing the fig tree, indicates that Israel would not again be the primary instrument of accomplishing God's purpose. That's what all of this is pointing towards. That Israel missed it. Going back to Jesus weeping. Israel missed it the one that they've been praying for, the one that they've been hoping for was right in front of their eyes and they're plotting to kill him. So if this is the case, then what would be the instrument that God's going to use? This is where you and I come in. It's the church. The instrument that God has chosen for his purposes is the church. Think about it. Who did Jesus die for? The church. Last week, Pastor Clayton talked to a red in Ephesians five. And this is the command to husbands. I love this. I, talk, I use this in every wedding. it says, hub. Uh, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. What do you do? He gave his life for it so that he could present the church to himself as spotless, holy and without ble- without blemish. And if you read on later, Paul says, hey, this is the mystery. That reference that I gave you was about us and God. Did God sacrifice for us? Yeah, he gave his life for us. So the, the method, the, 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 the object that God has chosen to bring about his purpose is the church. Now, here's what's interesting is, did you know that the New Testament refers to us both as a temple and as a tree? The New Testament refers to the church both as a temple and as a tree. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? All of us together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is in the moment you said yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit sits inside of you and you became the temple of God. Now, let's think about this. The temple was a place of worship, right? Right. So, if we're the temple of God, what should be going on inside of our temple? Worship. The temple was also a place where the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. What should be in our heart? The Holy Spirit. And it was also a place of repentance. It was a place where we would say, God, this is where I've messed up, but I'm turning back to you. Please forgive me. It was a place of worship, a place of His presence. And a place of repentance. See, I think there's something similar in our hearts that we see in the text today. I think we have tables in our hearts as well. Like, for example, I think we may have the table of pride set up in our temple. How how do you know if you have the table of of pride where you naturally elevate yourself over other people? Especially in a field that you feel like is your expertise. You know I mean you can tell you deal with pride if you work in the finance world and you see somebody make a decision and you say in your mind, oh, that's a terrible decision. I'd have never done it that way. Maybe in, in faith, if you've been following Jesus longer than somebody sitting down the road and you're like, mm, thank goodness I'm not them. I think Jesus has taught about that in the loop. You know, I, I, in, when we were in Amarillo, I had uh, gotten my personal training certification and we had gotten, uh, we had gotten to come guest speak here one time. And when we would come down here, we would go work out at crunch fitness. You know, it was free. They'd let us in. So I remember after getting my CPT, we walked into crunch fitness and, uh, my wife asked me because CPT is personal training certification, right? My wife would ask me, she'd go, Hey, is it hard for you to work out now, now that you know the right way to do things? And I was like, Oh, I judge everybody. It's just like, you know, what I mean, it's just so hard because when you feel like it's your expertise, naturally you think that you're above them. But the truth is, you don't know the story that they have. You, You don't know that the reason that they may have bad form is they had knee surgery or hip replacement. The year before and they're in there in the gym working their tails off to get healthy, to get back, to get moving in our faith. You you know, you may if you look down the road and they may be struggling, but you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's been going on in their life. It's easy to look at where people are and judge where people are sitting. But we got to understand that people have a past that they've worked through, too. You know what I mean? Another way you can tell if, that you have the table of pride is if you're too big for something. I'm too big to go serve in nursery. Uh, don't sign me up to go serving kids. I ain't hanging out with those youth kids. They're crazy. They don't even listen. You know what I mean? If you're too big for something, that's the way you can tell that you got the table of pride. I had a pastor friend of mine that used to say this, that if you're too big for small things, you're too small for big things. Listen, if you're too big to help stack chairs, if you're too big to go serve in the nursery, then God's not going to use you for big things. What he's going to do is humble you to a small place to prepare you to do big things. What does the Bible tell us, that God uh, humbles the proud but exalts the humble? You know, how many of us as fathers have humbled our kids? Daily basis. (laughs) Just like, you know what I mean? But why do we do that? One is we want them to grow up and be good people. But two, we know that God's called us to be humble and to serve others. That's why we humble our children, right? Some of us may have the table of pride. Another table we might have is the table of greed or money, right? Table of greed or table of money. It gets tight when we start talking about money, huh? (gasps) How do you tell if you've got the table of greed or money? Well, money's the primary object of all your thoughts. Every decision, make, every decision that you make is filtered through. Well, how is this going to be a surplus for me? Or how is this going to be a profit for me? Um, when money becomes more about status than it is about generosity, you probably got the table of greed. I, I would say it this way. If generosity is hard for you, if it's hard to give it away, then greed might be a problem. That's biblical too. Now, how can you say that? Well, Jesus said it to the rich young ruler. You know what I mean? So we've talked about the table of pride. We've talked about the table of greed. Here's one that we may not think about. The table of distraction. Table of distraction. And I've learned this interesting fact. I just finished reading this book and it wrecked me. You ever read a book and it read your mail? Yeah, this one read my mail. Wrecked my world. You know what the average attention span of a goldfish is? 9 seconds. Those big eyes can stare at something for 9 seconds. You know what the average attention span of a of a human is in today's age? <laughs> Some of y'all are shaking your heads. You already know. 8 seconds. People we're losing to a goldfish. <laughs> we're losing to goldfish. They don't they don't have You know what I tell you why we're losing to a goldfish? They don't got these things. Um, we know it's our struggle, but we don't do anything about it. You know what I mean? Everything funnels through these things. Our work funnels through these things. Our communication, all of these, all of these things in our life funnel through our cell phones. You know what I mean? Uh, we learned this statistic. Did you know that the average pastor prays for five minutes or less a day? The average pastor, the people that get up and preach on Sunday, preach for five minutes or less a day. Do you know why? Distraction. Emails, text messages, us being afraid to turn this thing off. It's got a power button for a reason. You mean distraction comes at uh, it comes from all things: our emails, our text messages, notifications, all of these things. Here's what the problem with distraction: distraction keeps us from being aware of God and being aware of people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two most the two things that God has called us to do is to love Him and love people. And we can't do that because we're distracted. Listen, I'm I'm gonna be real honest. You can't be distracted and love people well. You can't. You can't be distracted and be a good husband and be a good wife. You can't be distracted and be a good father and be a good mother. I I can't tell you how many things I've read when it comes to parenting where it says success in parenting is spelled T-I-M-E. We were in Mexico suffering for the Lord a couple weeks ago. And... uh, (laughs) I had this conversation with this guy who's a grandfather now, and this is what he told me, he said, man, I love being a grandpa. I was like, yeah, you get to spoil the kids and then send them home to people like me. And he goes, yeah, but it's because we realize as grandparents that we missed out on something with our kids and it just took us this long to to figure it out. See, as parents, we worked our tails off to provide everything for our kids. And in doing that, what we missed out is time, missed out on with time. So we spoil our grandkids by giving them time. Not candy, not letting them stay up late. Well, I guess staying up late is more time, I guess, but, 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 but giving them time. Listen, you can't be hurried. Hurried is another form of distraction. You can't be hurried and love people well. I would propose All of us probably deal with distraction. All of us. So why do I bring this up? Why do I bring up these tables? Well, if Jesus was to show up in your temple, would he flip tables? You mean if Jesus was to step into your heart, where are there things occupying a space that was designed to be for his Holy Spirit, for his worship and for repentance? Would Jesus flip tables? I mean, we're the temple. All of us together are the temple of God, and the presence of God sits inside of you. Lastly, in Matthew chapter 7, he refers to us as a tree. See, Matthew chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. I love the Sermon on the Mount because this whole sermon is based on teaching people to live as citizens of the kingdom, Right? Jesus has been teaching the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. This is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like, and then in Matthew five through seven, the sermon on the Mount, he's like, Hey, this is what this kingdom I've been talking about. This is how you live as those people, right? Kings have kingdoms. Kingdoms have like, uh, just ways that things are done methods, like all of those things. This is the methods of the kingdom. And this is what he says. Matthew chapter seven, verse 18, he says a good tree, see the tree. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. What happened to the fig tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he says this. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Just as you can tell a tree, you, you, don't, you, don't have to, you can't walk up to an apple tree and be like, man, I wonder what kind of tree this is. No, you know. You see the apples. He says you can do the same thing with people. Remember, the fig tree looked like it had fruit. But when Jesus got up close, it didn't, right? Um, what kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit? Can, can I be honest? It's easy to have fruit from a distance or it's easy to look like we have fruit from a distance. You know what I mean? What does that look like? What it means like coming to church with our mask on, pretending like everything's good, even though we were just screaming at the kids in the minivan on the way to church. You know what I mean? How many of us, how many of us, that's how we come to church. It's been the hardest week of our life, but we don't want people to look and see that it's been tough. So from a distance, I look like I got it together. From a distance, I look like I'm making it. From a distance, I'm killing it. Inside, I'm dying. It's easy to look like, uh, like a Christian when you're all of your Instagram posts are Bible verses. Oh, I'm going to post a verse of the day. People know I'm saved. I ain't living it, but I'm posting it. Come on, somebody. Read a Christian book and share your favorite quotes on your Facebook story. From a distance it's easy to look like we have fruit. I want to know what does it look like when I get up close? God wants to know what does it look like when he gets up close? When you've had the hardest week in your life and maybe you feel like you're on the brink of losing your job, are you still producing fruit? Are people still seeing God's goodness? You mean are you is are you spreading love, joy, peace? Are you showing self-control? Self-control is a fruit of the spirit, people. You mean when I get up close, when I look at your DMs, the messages that you're sending to people that aren't public. You mean are they producing fruit? Are they hiding something? When we check your Snapchat. You know those those pictures that you send that are supposed to disappear like that? Are they producing fruit? What about when your kids are going crazy at home? They're not listening, arguing with everything that you say, screaming at you all the time. Are you producing fruit? You know what I love about the fig tree? is we learned that even a fig tree out of season could still have edible buds. Come on, listen, if you're new to the faith and you're like, well, how do I produce fruit? I mean, just love people. And there's your edible buds. It starts out as loving people and later it turns into fig Newtons. You know what I mean? So there's a couple responses for us today. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I need the presence of God in my life. I need hope. I need life. Well, the beauty of Holy Week is all of this leads to Friday. And on Friday, the Son of God dies on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. Why would He do that? Well, because His Father loves you. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, and whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? That I believe that I've messed up and I can't earn my way to God. It's not do better, try harder. It's follow me. And I believe Jesus came and paid the price. And I want to give him my life. If that's you, I want you to scan that QR code. We want to celebrate that moment with you. But maybe you've been following God for some time. Maybe, maybe our response during this song is to check our hearts and see if there's some tables set up. Man, have I been focusing on money more than God? Am I distracted? And maybe, maybe the reason I don't feel God's presence is like I used to is because I'm more distracted than I've ever been. You know what I mean? Am I, am I always trying to elevate myself, compare myself to somebody else's story, even though I don't know what they've been through? You know what I mean? Maybe we need to take a step back and analyze our fruit. Can I encourage you to do something? If you're not going to produce fruit at home, you're not going to do it anywhere else. What's the fruit, the fruit you're producing with your spouse? What's the, the fruit you're producing with your kids? And let that be the starting point, and let it flow into everywhere else. Here's what I've learned usually, what's in your temple comes out in your actions. Usually what's in your temple is what comes out in your actions. If it's worship that's in my temple, a lot of time it's love that comes out in my actions. But if it's distraction, it's not love. It's a hurried lifestyle or an absent lifestyle. If it's greed, it's not love. It's doing whatever I can to make an extra dollar bill. If it's pride, it's not love usually stepping over other people so I can get where I need to get but when we take a step back and we allow the Holy Spirit to flip some tables and remove things that shouldn't be this is what's going to happen when people get close it's going to be exactly like it seems we'll be houses of worship that produce life for those around us why? so people see Jesus I ask that you stand we're going to pray so dear Heavenly Father God I thank you for for stories like today where Jesus is flipping tables I thank you that you would use those to point us to you God and I pray that you'd flip some tables this morning God uh I know for me personally, I've been so distracted. God, remove distraction in my life. I give you permission to destroy it and take it away. But God, challenge all of us. We all have tables. And ultimately I believe we all want to feel you and hear you and follow you and show you. So God, use us in Jesus name and everybody said, Amen.